Time change next week. We, we fall back. Say we fall back and get our air back. Well, Hallelujah. Never mind, Mike. Huh? Don't tell me to change the You know, when you live on a time change anyway, it's like, well, is it four hours from now or two? Oh, hallelujah. Yeah, we fall back. Remember that. We fall back. Oh, happy day, happy day. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I ministered on the fear of the Lord. And when I was reading it, it came from when I read Isaiah 11. Father, thank you for your word. Woo, glory. 11.1 says, There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots, which is Jesus, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. And shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he'll not judge after the sight of his eyes or the hearing of his ears but he'll judge righteous judgment. You know, when I saw that, so important that Jesus lived by the fear of the Lord. And you know, the fear of the Lord is something we don't see a lot of in the world today. There's not a lot of fear of God. You know, you see people being shot up in churches and, and all the stuff going on in churches. Years ago, they didn't even lock the doors to churches because people had a reverence and respect for the house of God. That's gone. And it's the fear of the Lord that we need. And God, and so I ministered on that. And some of them, in, in one of the verses in Isaiah 33, 5 and 6, I'm going to read it in the Passion. says, He will be your constant source of stability in changing times. And out of his abundant love, he will give you riches of salvation, wisdom and knowledge. Yes, the fear of the Lord is the key to this. What is it? The key. Proverbs says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge and understanding. So we need the fear of the Lord. And that led me to Malachi. And I, I want to read Malachi here in chapter 1 when God was talking to the priest. And he said to the priest, see, the priest had started offering moldy bread Lame animals and everything on the altar because they said the altar's contemptible. It's disgusting. And they were doing all this. And God spoke to them through Malachi. And he says, the son honors his father and the servant his master. If I be your father, where's my honor? And if I be your master, where's my fear? Honor and fear. See, the thing about it, true honor and I wrote this down. True honor is a byproduct of the fear of the Lord. And the love of God. The love of God and the fear of God are so close together, they're inseparable. Because with that love, there's a holy respect and reverence for that. And I long so much for that, for, for all of us. That we would give God the kind of honor and glory. You know, I think of Eli the priest. When Eli was priest... And his sons were priests. And they were taking bribes. They were, said they loved filthy lucre. And they were laying with the girls at the gate of the temple. And God came to Eli. And he said, Eli, your sons are not doing good. And Eli had told his sons to quit it. But they didn't quit it. But he didn't do anything about it. And God came to him and he said this. He said, Eli, 
you're honoring your sons before me. And said, because of that, your sons were going to be killed and you're going to lose your priesthood. And they got killed in battle right after that. And the same thing with Samuel's sons. They came to Samuel and said, Samuel, you're getting old and your sons are not walking after the Lord like you are. So we don't want them to be priests over us. We want a king like everybody else has. And remember that Samuel really tore him up and went to God and he says, God said to Samuel, Samuel, it's not you. He said, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me so that I won't rule over them. See, the honor and respect that we need to give God. And so I ministered on that. But the last part of that, where he says, a son honors his servants, his father, and a servant his master. If I'm your father, where's the honor? And, and you know, the thing about it, I want you to understand, we're going to start right here. That word honor and glory are from the same roots. When you see honor, you see glory. One of them is kabod, and one of them is kabed. And so that's the difference between them. They're from the same root word. It means glory, majesty, wealth, respect. And you remember when Moses said to God, God said, I'm not going to go with you because this is a stiff-necked people. You're on your own. And Moses said, God, if you don't go with us, I'm not going. Take me out of your book of life. And God says, okay, my presence will go with you, according to your word. The word presence in the Old Testament, it means this. The, the Hebrew word for presence is face-to-face. How like that? Face-to-face. He says, I talked to Moses face to face. Face to face is what that means. And God said, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. And he says, and what did Moses say? Lord, show me your glory. And God said, you can't see my face and live, Moses. But I'm going to set you in a cliff of the rock. And when I pass by, you'll see my hinder parts. And he says, when he said that, he said, I will cause my goodness to pass before you my goodness the lord good merciful long-suffering that's who he is he's a good good father and that's what honoring him is all about you know in 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 uh, isaiah 40 verse 5 from isaiah 40 on through 66 it's the new testament of isaiah and god and the Lord was speaking, and, and he said, it's time for exchange to come. It's time for a change of things. And he said in Isaiah 40, verse 1 says, Comfort ye my people, saith, uh, saith your God. Speak ye comfortable to Jerusalem, and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, her iniquity is pardoned. For she have received of my hand double for her sins. The voice of him that cries in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of John the Baptist. It's, it's a whole new day. In the desert, make a highway for our God. Every valley will be exalted and every mountain shall be made low. The crooked will be made straight and the rough places plain. Now here, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. That's Christ. In John chapter 1, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the glory of the Father. And, and so we see that, and that's time and time again you see that. And that, that word glory, uh, 
It's used 23 times from the chapter 40 through 63, talking about the glory of the church. And uh, when, when you see that, I don't know if I've got that written down anywhere. Okay. Thank you for your glory. But that's where it started from in Isaiah 63. I mean, Isaiah chapter 6. And you remember when, when he's, he saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temples and the angels and the seraphims were crying. The whole earth is full of his glory. Can you imagine being in the presence of God with all that glory? And what the angels were saying is the whole earth is full. of the, Didn't say it was going to be. Says the whole earth is full of his glory, his honor, his respect. And, and we see that over and over. And God longs for that. And that's what he wanted with his priest. And he says, you, you're offering all these things. And, uh, you know, and it goes on, it says, uh, you're cursed with a curse. And he said, bring you the best offerings. Bring it back. And so the house will be full. And I got to thinking... It doesn't compare. But, you know, I believe that we're under a new grace of giving. But I thought, could we possibly be guilty to some degree of diminishing the giving to God? You know, in Proverbs chapter 3, it says, Proverbs 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. And verse 9 says, honor the Lord with your substance, with the first fruits of your harvest. So your barns will be filled with plenty. I'm not going to mess with that wine press. You don't need no more wine. But see, honor the Lord with your substance. And, and I was thinking, you know, you look at that. That's one way we know that you honor the Lord. But you do in 2 Corinthians this is what I believe about grace giving. God don't demand you give. But, you know, even under the law in Leviticus 1.3, he says, bring a sacrifice, the King James says, from a willing heart. So God's always been interested that you give willingly, not grudgingly or necessity. Here in verse 6, now, why am I saying this? Y'all know I don't talk about money ever, do I? But this is because there has to be a respect and honor in the realms of your finances. Giving God glory for what he's done. And it says this. This is applying to us. But this I say, he that sows sparingly shall reap sparingly. He that sows bountifully shall reap bountifully. Every man as he's what? Purposed in his heart. So let him give, honor the Lord, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now what happens? Then God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always have in all sufficiency and all things may abound to every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, and his righteousness remains forever. Now he that ministers seed to the sower ministers bread for your food and multiplies your seed sown and increases the fruits of your righteousness. So we need to... Whenever we give, don't just get into the place where I'm just going to write a check today and honor the Lord with it in your heart. See, honor him in what you're doing. And one of the things it's, it says that we're to do is Hebrews 13, I think, about verse 15. It, it says, 
By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks. I just think we need to get a grip on what it really means to honor God in our hearts. It's to glorify him. You remember what Jesus said? Let me read it in John 17. I'm not going to finish this message today. I probably got at least another week or two on it. So I want to read what he said in John, in John chapter 17. This, was, this is really the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to read it in the Passion Rod. <clears throat> this is what Jesus prayed as he looked up to heaven. Father, the time has come. Unveil the glorious splendor of your Son. So I will, be ma- I will magnify your glory, your honor. See, when you see glory, you see honor. You have already given me authority over all people, so I may give the gift of eternal life to all of those that you've given to me. Eternal life means to know and experience you as the only true God, to know and experience Jesus Christ as the Son whom you sent. I have glorified you on earth by fulfilling and doing everything you told me to do. So, my Father, restore me back to the glory we shared together when we were face to face. Catch that Selah. Think about that. When we were face to face, before the foundation of the world, before the universe was created, we were face to face. And he says, Father, I've manifested who you really are, and I have revealed to you, to the men and women you gave me. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have fastened your word firmly to their hearts. And now at last they know that everything I have is a gift from you. And the very words you gave me to speak, I've passed on to them, you have received, they have received your words and carried them in their hearts. They are convinced that I am come from your presence. And they have fully believed that you sent me to represent you. So with deep love, I pray for the disciples. I'm not asking on behalf of the unbelieving world, but for those who belong to you, those you've given me. For all who belong to me belong to you, and all who belong to you now belong to me as well. And my glory is revealed through their surrendered lives. The glory and the honor. You know what God said to, to uh, my ears falling off, to Eli in 1 Samuel? He says, those who honor me, I will honor. Those who what? Honor me, will I honor. Get that. See, there's a return from honoring God. And we'll get into it later. But that's, that's what he said. And he says, Father, I'm about to leave this world to return to be with you. My disciples will remain here, so ask that by the power of your name, protect each one of them that you've given me. Watch over them that so they will be united as one. As what? Even as we are. While I was with these that you give me, I have kept them safe by your name. Uh, that you gave me, none of them is lost except the one who was destined to be lost, that the scripture would be fulfilled. For now I'm returning to you. And I pray they will experience and enter into my joyous delight in you, so that it is fulfilled in them and overflows. I have given them your message, and that's why the unbelieving world hates them. And their allegiance is no longer to this world, because I'm not of this world. I'm asking that you not remove them from the world. But I ask that you guard their hearts from evil. They no longer belong to the world more than I do. Your word is truth, so make them holy in their truth. I have commissioned them to represent me. Just as you commissioned me to represent you. 
We are the body of Christ, the members one of another. And now I dedicate myself as holy sacrifice so that they will live fully dedicated to God and be made holy by your truth. I ask not only for these disciples, but for those who will believe one day, believe on me through their message. I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together, and I pray for them to become one with us, so the world will recognize you sent me. And the very glory that you have given to me, I have given to them. Honor. So they will be joined as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. You live fully in me, and now I live fully in them, so that they will experience perfect unity. And the world will be convinced that you have sent me, for they will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love that you love me. That is awesome. You know, in, in, in Hebrews chapter 2, We see here in Hebrews chapter 2, verse, uh, verse 8, You have put all things in subjection under Jesus' feet. For in that he hath put everything under subjection under him, he left nothing that's not put under him. But now we see not everything's put under him, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with what? Glory and honor. What was he crowned with? Glory and honor. That he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him, for whom are all things, or, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons and daughters into what? Glory. To make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. For both they that are sanctified and he that are sanctified them are one. Glory and honor Amen. to the body of Christ. He's given you his glory. To represent himself. And that's that reverence. Can you imagine what would happen if we learned to live in that reverence of God? Jesus said to the Pharisees in John 5:44, How can you believe which receive honor one from another and receive not the honor that comes from God only? He said, I receive not honor from man, glory from man. And he says, the reason you do that because you don't have the love of God in your heart. And then he went on to say, you of your father the devil and the works of your father he will, you will do. Psalm 72, 19, blessed be the glorious name forever and let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Habakkuk says the whole earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Going to be. The angel says the whole earth is already filled with your glory. It's just a matter of seeing it. All creation is crying out. Who, he made me. He made me. All creation is saying, you know, it says no one's going to be without excuse. They're going to look around and realize there's got to be a God for this to be here. You go to the mountains and you look at the stream and you look at all this all around you. You can't help but believe God's real and that he created all this stuff. You know, Bible says, I has not seen ear, heard, neither has entered the hearts of things that God prepared for them that love him. But he's revealed them to us by his spirit. And the spirit searches the deep things of God and reveals them to us. And that's what the Holy Spirit's all about, to reveal it to us. 2 Corinthians 4, I think about 4 through 6. 
One of them, I think it's verse 6, says, God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You want to know what the glory is? The face of Jesus. That is the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Christ is our glory. I used to wonder what the glory was. We got it over here and we got it over here. For a long time, we had it over here and over here, and I'm still trying to figure out what it was. It's that mystical thing that comes down every once in a while. It's that weighty, cloudy thing. No, it's Christ. Christ is your glory. He's the glory of the Father, and you're the glory of Christ. That's who you are. Just, that's just who you are. Isaiah uh, 59 in the Passion, verse 19 says, From the west to the lands of the rising sun, the glory and the name of Yahweh will be held in the highest reverence. What did God say? That my children have gone into all these nations and they have polluted my name. But as truly as I live, all the earth will be filled with, with my glory. In my name, he said, what, did he, what I'm doing now, he said, I'm doing it not for your sake, but for my holy name's sake. The holy name's sake is why. And he says, uh, for I will break, he says, for he will break as a flooding, rushing stream driven by the breath of Yahweh. Now, Isaiah 60, verse 1, it says, the glorious new day. What does it say in Isaiah 60? Rise and shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you and said, Behold, darkness shall cover the earth. Is that pretty well right? And gross darkness to people. Is that pretty well right where you work? But the glory of the Lord will be risen upon you. And his glory will be seen upon you. That glory, that's the church. You know what he's talking about here in Isaiah 60? A new Jerusalem. He's talking about the new Jerusalem. 23 times I said, it's a new day. Isaiah 60 is a new day. Isaiah 61, a new priesthood. Isaiah 62, a new wedding. Isaiah 63, new mercy. Isaiah 64, new prayer. Isaiah 65, a new heaven and a new earth. Isaiah 66, a new Jerusalem. All new. New, new, new. Old things are passed away and behold all things. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, become new. And you are of God. Brand new. Uh, Malachi 4.2 says, But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and you will go forth as calves released from the stall. Isaiah 60, verse 7, I will glorify the house of my glory. Do what? I will glorify the house of my glory. How be it the Most High doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. These buildings are just sheep sheds. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Haggai said, how many of you saw the glory of this first house? And what does it look like in, in respect to what you see it now? But he says, it's truly uh, the silver's mine. He says, the gold is mine. And the glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former. And in this place, I will give peace, saith the Lord. That's the body, the temple of God. The most high doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. He's coming to live in us. His presence. What did Jesus? That you might be one as we are one. That the world may know something. They know what I've done. Yeah. I got Haggai. Isaiah 60. Verse 2. 
The Gentiles shall see your righteousness and the kings your glory, and thou shalt be called by new name, New Jerusalem. Woo, can't you wait? You know Revelation, he says, new, I make all things. What? New, I make all. Why? Because he's a creator. He does not care about what you were. All he cares about is who you are. I heard, I heard uh, Graham Cook say this. said the Father looked down and Jesus and the Holy Spirit was all fixing to come down here. And Jesus said, well, I'm going to go die for their sins. And then the Holy Spirit said, and then I'm sent down here. And he says, oh, no. I'm not going to go down there and try to change all them people, take all that junk and try to make them straighten out. And the Father said, well, let's do this. Jesus, when you go down there, We'll just put all those people in you so that when you're crucified, they'll all be crucified and we can start over brand new. Amen. The Holy Spirit, I, I can live with that. He's not here to change you. He's not here to ch- try to make you better. He's here to reveal to you who you are now in Christ. Because if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away and behold, all things have become what? New and all things are of God. Who has what? Given us the ministry of reconciliation in the Greek exchange. You've been exchanged by the glory of God. Isaiah 60, verse 10, 11, about verse 11. He says that you may suck and be satisfied with the breast of her consolations. He's talking about New Jerusalem. That you may milk out and be delighted in the abundance of your glory. Say glory. For thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river, and the glory of the Gentiles like a flowing stream. Then you will suck and be borne upon her knees, and be dangled upon her knees. Thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hands of the Lord, a royal diadem in the hands of God. 1 Peter 2.9 says of you, But you are a royal priesthood. What are you? But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him that called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Zechariah 2 says uh, about 13, I think, or 5, I don't know. I do this for Rod's sake. For thus saith the Lord, I will be unto her as a wall of fire round about and will be the glory in the midst of her. You got the glory in the midst of you. His holy presence in the midst of you. Zechariah 6.12, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold the man whose name is the branch. That's Jesus. Every time you see the branch, you know it's Jesus. He shall grow up out of his place, and he will build his temple. Even he shall build the temple of the Lord, and he shall bear the glory, and he shall rule upon his throne, and he shall be a priest under his throne. And the council of peace shall be between both of them. Passion says the Jew and the Gentile. See, that was his purpose from the foundation of the world, to make the Jews and the Gentiles one new man. It's not about Gentiles. It's not about Jews. It's about one new man in Christ. That's who you are. And he's good. He's a good, good father, isn't he? That's who he is. You remember when Jesus came into his own hometown 
And he says, he started saying, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted. And, and Jesus said to them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And they said, is not this that carpenter's son and his brothers and his sisters and all them are right here among us? Who does he think he is? And Jesus said, now catch it, a prophet has no honor in his own country or in his own household. Why? Because we're too quick to judge after the sight of our ears, our eyes, and what we hear. And he says Jesus could do no mighty works there because of their unbelief. 